Lowdown Chronicles. Meet your maker. latest uh, podcast episode for Lowdown magazine called Meet the Makers and I guess both of us some of the um, early Lowdown days from London we presented Lowdown since 1995 together how did it start for you with him yeah Meet the Makers Lowdown magazine I'm not even sure if I'm in issue one of Lowdown I'm not even sure but um, We, myself, yourself, we met in a club in Hoxton, Metalheads, uh, covering an assignment, covering the growth of hip-hop, nah, drum and bass, nah, jungle, nah. Do you know what it was? It was that acceleration of culture that was happening in London at the time. And Gertz, you came to London as a young man, as a journalist with your ambitions, you know, to make it in the world. And obviously, the number one thing to talk about was the metalheads. It's amazing. It yeah. was for me. It was like when I was at uni, lived in student halls in Beswick Street. I remember it vividly when I walked first in there, and it was a whole different universe. And especially that club, Blue Note, was just incredible, wasn't it? I mean, the energy, the the, the music itself, the, the, everything was for me changed a lot of things. Really. Yeah, it's uh, I think the club itself had its own sort of unique character in terms of. You'd walk in, you'd queue up, you'd walk in. There was a, a bar. There was a, an old man in the back cooking Jamaican food. Um, there was downstairs. There was a function one sound system. There was this the heat, the sweat, and then the the piping in the room that would always sort of condense water and there would be just and dripping. the weed smoke everywhere. The weed smoke everyone was everywhere. blazing everywhere. I mean, it was like a whole universe in its own really completely different it was it was a utopia wasn't it the way uh london sort of all those industries that were in east london had just disappeared and what remained was just sound systems and parties and and vibes and where culture's made you know and obviously lowdown's been sort of about the culture you know so sort of always tapping in to different cultures like i mean where were we new york late 90s we end up in Brooklyn, no, not even Manhattan, Broadway, yeah. um, that elevator to Raucous's offices, which was decorated in Keith Haring's artwork. You know, you went down the road to see Ramblesey and Phil Frost. I was hanging out with Most Def and Talib Kweli. Yeah, and interesting the way it went. Uh, when we, we, we continued to journey to New York, but for, well, let's uh, you know, stay in London. I mean, one of the first people both of us met, and uh, mm. I filmed for Super Low Aid. You did obviously mm. many, many pictures of him, and I did various interviews. It's Goldie, oh. the, the, the guy who ran Metalheads, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Mr. Drum and Bass, really. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about him. Interesting character and always fascinating to hang out with him, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Always an inspiration. He's a leader. He's uh, an inspiration in, 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 in respects to art as well as music. Uh, certainly, as far as I'm concerned, he's a, a visionary that sort of enabled myself as a generation to come in and capture his genius and his club and his gathering and his, his team you know because that was ultimately what it was is like he was the head coach 
And, uh, you know, he gathered his forces, chemistry and storm, you know, running up at the front, you know, uh, groove riders, sort of the, the, the bass driven god and Fabio and, you know, all the kids at the back, Bailey, Inc., you know, and so on. So it was nice to document that and be a part of that experience. And also to sort of remind ourselves that with regards to that culture, that it was all about the teams and all the teams played together. You know, Hype had their teams. We hung out with Danny Brakes, Renegade Hardware. Yeah, interesting. You know, Valve. Yeah, Very know. interesting. Little camps. Yeah. All these different little camps all yeah. over, not just in London, yeah. you know, the, the Bristol, Bristol connection, crowds, you know, Crust, yeah. DJ Die, yeah, exactly. uh, uh, Ronnie Size, yeah. I mean, incredible as well. Yeah. yeah, very, I mean, it was fascinating and absolutely loved it as well. What about um, uh, two guys for me that uh, we spent a bit of time with and that I absolutely thought were incredible? Lemon D and Dillinger, Vive Sound System, yes. very interesting aspect, yes. the way Dillinger yeah. built the sound system. Let's talk about yeah. that a bit. I mean, obviously, it's 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 again visionary, you know, sort of being the second generation or the generation after sound system, you know, sound men, you know, the sort of bass culture that was introduced to this country by Jamaica uh, when they shipped over their sound systems and their valve amplifiers and they started building these superstructures to bass, you know, and we've sort of followed that in this country particularly uh, uh, with, with with drum and bass and and Dillinger and Valve being the next generation down, you know, uh, bringing and, it and and causing problems with it, you know. Mental, I mean, mental. Yeah. The, the, the system they had. I mean, yeah. I was in their warehouse somewhere in Greenwich, and the way when they had it stuck up there. I mean, what an incredible setup they really had. And the other important people, I guess, in that time, uh, the Bristol connection. Let's talk about Ronnie Size and Crust mm. because mm. Crust, you took some incredible pictures, which have been published mm. in Lowdown as well. Which uh, uh, you know, we've interviewed and met him a few times, and uh, he was always someone who had a bit of a different view on things, and was an amazing guy in, in yeah, the drum bass. Absolutely. Right? Again, coming in from the mild, mild west. You you know what I mean? He was like bringing in that that flavor, and that's something I miss about England. You know, the sort of the regionalism of it all, where different parts of London, different parts of the country, different parts of anywhere would have their own flavor. They'll have their own food, their own dress code, their own music, their own sound system, and their own way of thinking about it. But we'd still all come together and compete in this dance hall and 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 engage with it. And so it was nice to have these different mindsets and these different people producing music that essentially became the soundtrack to the 90s you know like when you think about how i mean i'd love to sort of re-score re some of the super low eight films that we did um <laughs> and rescore them with like vintage sounds you know like put new music underneath it not not to take anything away from its original form but now we can look back on the past and go okay this stood out this these are the key moments crust in crust we trust is a great story it's a great way of contextualizing you know what it's all about telling these stories through camera through words and pictures and tag team move yourself guts you know like yeah I've done, you know, we, three others four tech we've yeah. done uh, there's I mean, so many out there I mean, that, there's, that's, there's J-Lo there's 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 so much more uh, yeah Some our told. stories yeah, I'm, no, that's I'm not even sure this that's podcast can cover no, no, it no no that's know? a good one though. let's talk about that because that's one of my favorite uh, moments I've had with no, you no I'm going to save that one for part two yeah no, I'm not going to talk about J-Lo now we're going to hold back on J-Lo we're going to hold back on Mariah yeah that's true we're going to hold back on all we, we, we wait at that, that for one. now because we stay we stay in London for a moment because yeah. one of the other uh, uh, areas I guess and we've done done a few uh, things together there as well for Lowdown a few stories together for Lowdown was the UK hip hop scene because mm. uh, that for me was fascinating because it's mm. such a 
deep, deep you know, routes maneuver, mm. task force, again, all these different crews. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big scene that, back in the day as well, really. Yeah, I mean, as a junglist, really, I sort of thought about the, the hip hop guys and, and thought they were a little bit bummy. You know, they didn't really have the right clothes, they, they smelt bad. You know, I mean, I, I love Skinny Man, but my man, you could, he was loud. You know what I mean? He'd be on the bus with his dog. And it, the whole bus would be smell like weed and be like, skinny man, like, uh, respect to it, you, man. but Good fucking man. hell, yeah, Good you man. mans are just out here just wilding. I'll like. tell you a funny story. One of the funniest stories, one of the most low budget videos, but it really, I actually really ended up where was when I did a video with Skinny Man and the Mutt family, mm. and um, it was called uh, Thugs Are Us. Okay. And I took the boys paintballing oh, in, uh, in some woods, like oh, somewhere fuck. outside of London. And oh, uh, I'm not shitting you, yeah. we took a bus. Yeah. with all that lot yeah. uh, went to the forest somewhere yeah. and while we were sort of setting up some cameras you could see a cloud of weed because literally whatever how many 30 yeah. youths from Camden <laughs> came out and it was such an incredible experience and I love those boys I have to say task force Chester P, Hackenbush, and Farmer Giles. Mm. A lot of respect uh, yeah. for those two guys. Beautiful music, still make amazing music. Farmer's Psycho Hessen, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those were interesting boys as well, definitely. No, no, I mean, I, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys bringing me in on the, the whole UK hip hop thing because also, let's not forget, Lowdown HQ for a while was based in the heartland of you know, mud family territory. So it couldn't be helped. You know, I came to sort of respect them and their, their, their steeds and their values and their penmanship. Uh, but you know, as I said, they, they really didn't sort of in the fashion game though, they were just weak, you know, so we really couldn't hang out like that. You know, I hate to say it, but <laughs> to this day, I still wear Prada and Pringle socks. So yeah. So, so that's, that's, and that, you know, that's to the point off cam off, off podcast that we we're talking about. Like it's hard for me to talk about UK hip hop because I really feel like I didn't give it my all, you know, the way I did to drum and bass or the way I did for jungle. Yeah. No, for me, it was interesting because when I came from Germany, I was into the early German hip hop, you know, uh, absolute beginner uh, the Hamburg school so for me that UK hip hop was really interesting and I really yeah, I really liked some of it and still do as well I mean Roots Maneuver is timeless well I think that's uh, part of the biggest Rodney P Rhythm Killer oh. I mean you know my guy yeah. he, I did quite a few music videos for him yeah. later and it was incredible because that's what I ended up doing getting into the music video yeah. side and doing quite a lot of videos for yeah. you know domestic signs Legacy yeah, video, yeah, yeah. first ever video Estelle was in, yeah. Tempo Wildflower, female MCs bringing it to the fore really early on. And this is my friend yeah. DJ Skits, a good mate of mine, who again is, uh, I thought, an incredible music producer who I got to work with. Yeah. And I thought it's a really strong UK hip-hop scene, definitely there. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said about European hip-hop and the culture of hip-hop in Europe, which is ultimately the underpinning of my relationship with Lowdown. Is because, you know, like coming to Berlin in the early 90s, you know, seeing the wall fall come down firsthand and then meeting this new generation of young Berliners coming through and hanging with them, not really being able to speak English too great, but ultimately the language of hip hop was our universal communion. Like we could literally communicate through, you know, I could communicate with Thomas through, through lyrics and songs. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a form of understanding that was underpinning all of this. And so it was hip hop culture that really brought us together. And within that, I always argued that the fifth element of, 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 of hip hop was always skate. You know, like the four elements being, you know, MCing, DJing, B-boying, you know, dancing and all that. And, and, and so to see what happened in Europe and then to see the blowback when you guys came over to England and started to engage in our culture and making videos for all these hip hop heads, it was like kind of like 
the bigger picture is how it all sits in Europe, you know, how it sits in France and Italy and all that shit. And maybe that's the bigger story that hasn't been told, you know? Yeah, interesting, is, is, interesting. Yeah, all that. What about um, the, the journey to New York? Because we did, um, you know, a couple of bits there as well. And you were definitely one of the early ones who to work with Raucous Records. Yeah. Mo Staff, Talib Kweli. Uh, talk about that connection. Yeah, they were good. They were good kids. Um, you know, I was couriering dats for Trouble and Vinyl, you know, so making, you know, keeping a connection alive where these Americans wanted to come in and have a piece of this drum and bass pie. So we sort of started that negotiation and I was like the linchpin in that because I was spending so much time in New York uh, working with the box, doing the television stuff, you know, uh, just having a good time. And really getting to know these guys, going out for dinner, seeing their vision. And working with that vision, you know, because that's really what it comes down to. I think many times throughout our lives, you, it's, it's really about the visionaries. It's really about those 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 linchpins between the big money and the creativity. Yeah. You know, and it's a real struggle for me. I had a meeting yesterday with this agency about a campaign, and I just lost my shit with this agency. I was going, "You fucking cunts! Like, what the fuck? Like." What the fuck? How can you talk about humans like that? How, how fucking how fucking inhuman can you be, you pussy clock fucks? Like fuck out of here! And it just made me realize that if we don't have people who understand what's needed and know what needs to happen, that shit doesn't happen. And how many times have we seen that through you know your relationship with especially athletes? You know what I mean? Like what you've been experiencing working with so many athletes from the skate kids all the way through to snowboarding and so on. It's uh, it, it still requires leadership. There's heroes in this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah always, always. Mm. No, for sure. And um, a couple of other uh, interesting stories I would like to talk about because they were for me moments I will never forget in my mm. life. One of them was when we met Tricky and these uh, East London gangsters in which was the old Astoria legendary mm. uh, uh, venue in London, Tottenham Court Road. Yeah. And uh, I mean that was a special day, wasn't it? Because yeah. Tricky in se itself was was incredible. He, yeah. he, I remember vividly how he found this uh, little doll outside Tottenham outside the Astoria and picked it up and you've got amazing pictures of this with, you know, which have been in Lorna obviously but, uh, that was a mad day wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I think that was a great day a great bit of organisation a bit random too because you didn't really know what you were going to expect and when you walk down the stairs all you see is a bunch of old boys just like having a chat and having a cup of tea you know having a cigarette and that and you go alright boys yeah, how's it going and you're like you, 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 you do respect you know you sort of respect your elders so I gave them their dap but it's only until they sort of start telling their stories that you're like oh you mans are like bloody murderers yeah. murderers I mean <laughs> you, we talked to people there who yeah. had killed people yeah, yeah, which is, was yeah. a crazy thing it's the first time I sat in an interview where I talked to someone who, who openly talked about killing people yeah, yeah, I was yeah. a bit like yeah okay okay interesting and they were quite, quite funny as well both of us I used to have dreadlocks back then yeah, so yeah. you and me yeah the two dreads, the white yeah. and the black dread, were coming in there, yeah. way younger, obviously, than most of them. Yeah. Uh, but Tricky was good. I mean, he was interesting as well. He's always done his own thing, and I always sort of found him an interesting character. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, what's interesting about this conversation as well is, like, meet the makers. It's always we're coming back to these visionaries, these kind of individuals that had a, had a thought. And, you know, he's he comes from a family of gangsters, and he wanted to put gangsters on, like, let them tell their story. And I think it's interesting that British gangsters choose to use the media as their way of retiring. They retire in public face. Yeah. Dave Courtney being yeah, the prime yeah. prime yeah. example.
example. I mean, he, he made a career out of uh, all his, you know, films yeah. and books and whatever. But he was the most accessible as well, yeah, exactly. which was, again, what I experienced with him later yeah. on when, when together with Paolo Carrera, who by now, sadly enough, is dead, one of my early mentors in the film right. yeah. industry. Uh, uh, the stuff I did with him, with yeah. these gangsters, after we first met them, because yeah. we ended up filming Dave Courtney, Bruce Reynolds, the mastermind of the great train robbery, yeah. and, and uh, Howard Marks. And uh, yeah. spending time with those three was... In the experience, I mean, which was incredible. And, yeah. uh, you know, they were their makers, their own makers in their own right, really. This you know, is it. Uh, this is it. But, um, definitely visionaries yeah. as well. I mean, the great train robbery, Bruce Reynolds, he, he had his studio, his son had his studio just around the corner from where we are right now. Yeah. And uh, interesting family as well. Very yeah. fascinating people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we do our best to get the stories out there, but there's so much of it that we don't even tell. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's the things that happen off camera and off, off story. And yeah, part of us wants to sort of tell those stories, but ultimately it comes down to, yeah, Howard Marks, man. Tell me about him, though. What was his, what was, what was, it, what was your takeaway from Howard Marks? Howard Marks, I'll tell you the funniest thing. The first thing we filmed with him, the first shot we ever made with him, was him coming out of the customs in Heathrow. Paolo and me sort of smuggled the camera in almost and stood, you know, proper undercover with this small camera and filmed Howard Marks coming out of customs, which was quite a nice little touch. And, um, and it made it into the film as well. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, he was... Um, I was quite shocked. We went to a bed. He lived in a bedsit in in Shepherd's Bush. Mm. It's quite sort of a little bit run down, really. Mm. I mean, he was a lovely guy, really yeah, nice course, guy. And uh, uh, I was a bit sort of, you know, yeah. him living there. But he, you know, obviously had properties and lived in Spain as well. And mm. yeah, he was a fascinating character. He was very intelligent. Mm. Uh, uh, had you know story after the next to tell and was yeah. good to work with as well. Yeah. I mean we filmed some great stuff with him yeah. and uh, and uh, then we yeah we took him to went went to Leprock Grove and filmed him in a park there, did like a sort of outdoor yeah. interview, run around with him, obviously smoked weed with him. Yes. Which you know was yes. Uh, yes. you know after sort of I was yeah. done, you know, yeah, I had a yeah, joint yeah. with Howard Marks of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, you know, and it was an experience. Yeah, I mean, it was a day again, yeah, yeah. I never forget those days. I mean yeah. that's the thing, thanks to Lowdown magazine yeah. and you know, any other people who are interested in my stories, yeah. I've, we've met interesting people, really, exactly. haven't we? Exactly, and, and going out of our way to sort of find these interesting people and put them on. And I've always admired your passion for it, because you'd always put me on to sort of like new voices in the game. I'm like, wow, okay, you know, someone that you really care about and, and whose story you really care about, who's, again, they, they, you know, I've just, man, one of my favourite ones, I think it was like for Lowdown Issue 1, was that we had to go to Boots hmm. to do a shoot of this kid who happened to be the DJ who did the mixtape on the cover. And it's like the sense of the underdog, you know, the sense of like, yeah. There's, Always. There's, 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 there's still heroes in the rough, you know what I mean? They're just coming up, you know, and, and, and we were always that. We're just coming up. We're making the best of everything we've got, all the connections we have. And uh, putting them down. Um, I mean, we and Lowdown as well. Lowdown as a magazine was always early. Huh? It was there, you know, found the people, and a year later they would be really big, you know, or whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at, you know, in, in the arts, on the art side of things, I found it amazing, you know, how early, uh, you know, Obey. Uh, yeah, exactly, the, the, exactly. Like Banksy, yeah. all these legends of, you know, they were in Lowdown way yeah. before anyone really knew, yeah. knew about them, really. Yeah. And uh, that's what I liked about Lowdown, you know, they went for the, you know, the, the upcoming. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, the green shoots. And I think that still stands now. I think it's, it's an interesting one, though, because the point about being able to look back is sometimes you, it's about growth and it's about how... Uh, it, 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 we, we're, we're in a linear sequence we're moving forward and so, uh, so it's a tough one to sort of it's a tough one for me to look back 
it's it's really hard. I just have to keep looking forward. Important, yeah. yeah. But, but looking back quickly, what about the books that? Because you've recently, yeah, you know, in terms of point. legacy project, this coming back to, to where we met, Metalheads, yeah. Drum yeah. and Bass. Exactly. You've been involved with a couple of book, book yeah. projects. Tell us about those. Yeah, I think it was years after, you know, moving the photography into the gallery and then the gallery onto paper and doing that for hip hop and doing it quite successfully with contact high and and getting that narrative out there so that you know hip hop photography is now in museums in America as it should be and then thinking about how we then tell our story in this culture war that we're currently in post Brexit Britain uh the narrative that we all danced together under one roof you know we all did this and so who say reload was the photographs And then I reissued Junglist, or it was reissued with me, which was the actual experience I had in the raves, telling my side of the story. And I loved, I loved reading it, and I loved looking at it because I mean, it really encapsulated what it was, what it was like. I mean, being at Metalheads, being in all these places. I mean, bloody hell, it was, it was an experience. This is, it's undescribable, really, yeah. what it was like in those big Metalheads raves. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's to be, to be. Yeah, it's the scale, some raves are bigger than others. I think coming back to Metalheads is just reminding yourself how small it was, how dense it was, and how loud it was, and how hearing a tune by Dillinger for the first time, cut on dub plate, <laughs> knowing that it came straight out of the studio, and then it being rewound twice by Groove Rider because Goldie's losing his shit. Is, is a beautiful thing. It's, beautiful. Yeah. A beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. you know, to be baptized in bass like that. And I think it's, it's yeah, we, we, we've been lucky enough to see its roots and fruits, you know what I mean? Like to see where it I came remember, from. I remember as well, Sundays, how excited yeah. we were. We were in student halls. We lived in Bestwick Street, 10 minutes so from the Blue walk. Note. Yeah. yeah, we walked. But then, you know, like, yeah. because it was a weird time as well. Yeah. It was Sunday nights from yeah. like, you could go there at three o'clock. Yeah. So we basically, as a student, first year, it was like, we basically, you know, started started smoking splits in the afternoon and then you know had a nice evening out in, at metalheads to midnight and raved like mad people exactly it's, it's and, and london will be dead on a sunday because shops will be shut you know and, and that part of town was not seen as the best part of town you know it was but it was in that weird calm where as students coming in it was at a time when london was at its most empty so you're kind of walking around these really dead streets of former industries And just walking into this, this it, you could hear the hum in the distance, and then you'd walk past the cab office, go up the stairs, and and it was so different. I mean, if you think about it, you know, 1995, uh, what shortage yeah. was like then. And yeah. I remember vividly people telling us, "You don't go past, uh, you know, yeah, Hackney, Street, Hackney Road, Old Street, Street, further never, down into Hackney. You know, into don't go further mile. east, basically, yeah, that, yeah, because it was rough, mile. murder yeah. mile. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was definitely different to what it's like now. You know? No, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think East London is as shit as it always was, but it's just got more hipsters in it, so that kind of like balances it out. Oh so, yeah, 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 and it's still rough around the edges. It's yeah, exactly. so different now. So, so different. different. I mean, I lived in Bethnal Green for a long time. Oh God, you yeah, know, yeah. like Shoreditch Station. Now there was crack. Yeah. Course, the head yeah. was like a proper rundown, yeah. nasty little stretch, really. Yeah, yeah. And um, now it's you know, it's, it's centric. No, no, and I do admire that because even coming up in photography, like where I started out, you'd look at books of, of like by books by Don McCullen, and there'd be pictures of Shoreditch, and it would be this living hell, this bomb site where you know, like the Bronx, like that's how you'd visualize it. 
and yeah you'd see these photographs and my first missions as a kid was to go around to these areas like Shoreditch and take pictures and yeah it was a proper dusty shithole like like bombed out like car parks and shit like but that's what I like that's what I always yeah. liked about uh, your pictures as well yeah. you always documented certain areas in a good way as well Brixton obviously yeah. but East London early on as well and you found an aesthetic always with your photography that, that reflects a certain area as well which I always love about your photography yeah I think that's the underpinning of it always like there's a certain journalism in that kind of photography and I think that's where the, the crossover is between us is that, is that respect of journalistic values you know and very you know, true that's why our work yeah. we worked always really well together yeah. we always had a very similar vision really yeah. at the yeah. end of the day how we want to portray yeah. certain things yeah. whether it's uh, you know yeah. a story where you took the pictures I write is a video yeah. videos we've done videos yes, together exactly. I mean come on we've done some yeah. you know a lot yeah. of uh, big things I mean exactly. uh, that's I don't know how long we've talked now but uh, one perhaps the video because that for me yeah. changed a lot in my life the task video oh, yeah, which yeah, you yeah, brought yeah. me on to and yeah. we sort of co-directed it yeah, and then yeah, yeah. that's when Nick did manager contacted me because right. he sort of liked the way we yeah. handled ourselves exactly. and then I ended up doing a couple of Dizzy videos and working with Dizzy a lot so exactly. that's a whole other chat really but uh, yeah. um, I don't yeah. know uh, I mean that in itself is a beautiful time because that is being able to draw some inspiration from Maroc particularly as an art dictator and step into the field and go right Taz I'm going to take care of your shit like all of it like from your videos down to your EPK down to your Artwork, yeah. the whole lot is going to be taken care of by me, and you just turn up. And so when we he wanted to do a video, uh, cowboy girls, I think it was, yeah, yeah, Cardinal and official, we Cardinal did once as well. Yeah, but the task video, yeah. cowboy girls, yeah, yeah. that was uh, it was it was yeah, it's a simple thing. It was basically uh, find a great location, find some great cast, and uh, just you know rap with all your friends. You know, like come on. Like it's your first it video, worked. yeah. It you just, yeah no, it keep it simple, uh, uh, not too pressured. And but the point is that we, as 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 God says, we handled ourselves because of course, at the end of the did. day, everything was so precious back then. And we just came in with like a more looser, just like laissez-faire style, where it's like if you allow the conditions to happen. Certainly for me in video, if you allow certain conditions to happen, it doesn't matter where you point the camera; it's always going to be sick. And that's why, in terms of co-directing, I could literally step back and Gertz will step forward. There's certain scenes that Gertz wanted. I'm like, well, I couldn't care less about those scenes. I only care about these scenes. And then with the edit, the beautiful thing is it goes to Jeremy's cousin. Jeremy's cousin's in the edit and says to me, uh, yeah, Eddie, uh, when I do edits, no one sits in with me. You just get the final piece. Goodbye. I'm like, all right, all right, mate. Yeah, done. All right. Sweet. That was it. And End what? result. End product. Banger. Definitely a banger. And um, Eddie, what about um, the, yeah, those uh, music videos we did with, uh, who was the other one? Cardinale Official, the Canadian boy. He was around at one of them as well. Yeah, that was, that was part of Taz's EPK or part of the remix of the Cowboys exactly. thing single. Uh, and having his voice lent to this whole thing was a beautiful thing. Giving him a cold because we asked him to ride a bicycle in the rain. I just thought, yeah, welcome to England, bro. That's how we live. That was quite a, uh, yeah. a fun little afternoon. Exactly. Um, and that's what it is. It's just like fun little afternoons. You know, we just, their jaunts, their moments, they're sort of capturing a point in time and then it all comes together on paper, you know. Um, and yeah, yeah, we, 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 we did good. I think, I, just, I keep wanting to look forward and it's hard really because this is a podcast. This is about the past. This is about what, what Tony Soprano would say the lowest form of conversation is, which is when you say, remember when. But 
Let's talk about JLo though, because it, oh, it fuck was, it out, if it, let's talk about JLo. <laughs> no, JLo is still, still alive. We can't talk about JLo. That that for me was one of my uh, most spontaneous but very exciting little missions because he called me literally an hour before and you're like, mate, yeah. can you come and help me? You need to interview J Lo because people are you're not here basically. Yeah. And it's like, well, hey, why not? So um, that was funny. Talk about that day with J Lo. Yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. Basically, J Lo's in town. Come on, Gertz. Do you want to sniff J Lo? I've, I've, I pick up the phone. Go, come on, Gertz. You want to sniff J Lo? And Gertz is like, Yeah, I want to sniff J Lo. Yeah, yeah, let's go and sniff J Lo. Anyway, so um, yeah, so I'll tell you where. Tell you when you arrive. We take care of business. It's um, that's what we do, and that was uh, for yeah. me. It was obviously quite exciting because yeah. it's J Lo, and um, you know, it's, I was a young the, man, and uh, exactly. you phoned me and asked me an hour before yeah, if you yeah, wanted yeah. to be J Lo. I was like, yeah, of course I would, and um, it was great because I did, you know, prep. I bought, uh, I bought a Arena magazine, read everything about her, did my interview based on that, killed it with her, and she was lovely. I thought she was yeah. nice. She was very professional. There was some tech issues. Well, it was a bit of a chaotic shoot for the yeah. box. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and they didn't quite. You know. Yeah, I think I think we lost our crew. I think ultimately, so we had to sort of switch around roles where I was on camera or maybe on sound, and you were on interview, and, and and roles were switched around. But ultimately, it was fine. It was one. It's a great box talk. You know, huge it's numbers. Great, yeah. Um, she you know, yeah, and it just allowed us to sort of again. We had a style like Dutch cameras, like no angles are correct. You know, like just boom. Like I mean, recently you pulled up the the RZA thing, and again, it's just like these Amazing. wonderful moments where. It's like, again, the RZA's here. Do you want to come and roll? Like, yeah, of course. And then the conversation starts. Because I think it was always a case of, you know, in, I may have one job going in one direction for one crew, but I can. there's always leeway to call. I know Gertz is there. Gertz always wants a story. So it's like, come on, just come and do this. You're in town. Get Let's get that story. And then we have a lowdown version. So always within our publishing circle, there's like multiple versions of the same story. But the lowdown version is always the realest version. Very true. That leads to what you just mentioned, RZA, as well, because obviously we've done a lot of stuff together with Wu-Tang Clan. Mm. Let's talk about them. I think it's a good way to end because that kind of, you know, away from the raucous crew in New York, Wu-Tang Clan have been other artists we both have worked with quite a lot. And RZA, let's talk about him. Box Talk, for me, again, a visionary, a maker. Uh, I always admired his work. I always, you know, from the early days when I listened to Wu-Tang Clan, I thought he's definitely one of the interesting ones, one of the outstanding ones. I mean, what a man. And and, and to have met him, for me, I felt, you know, blessed, really, because, again, he was professional. He did funny little takes with us for the the Box Talk, you know. He was up for for, for different things. And uh, let's talk about the RZA a bit, because... Yeah, the reason was a beautiful day. I think there were several things going on at the time. Um, but yeah, ultimately we had a box talk with him. And um, yeah, you, you get the call again. Just let's, let's do a version. We've got time. And because I sort of knew some of his background team and everything else, so we knew things were loose. You know, like in some cases when we were hanging out with the Rizzo or hanging out with some artists, they're not like the biggest artists of that time. You could still sit in the pub with them and have a drink and chat and do cool shit. So that was always a beautiful thing. We did that. The RZA again with his vision, you know, like, yo, let's just do the interview in the bathtub. Yeah, all right, cool, yeah, all right. I love that you know as well. I, mean? I couldn't believe the footage. Yeah. I found some real gems, old footage yeah. from like, you know, the early days. And uh, that was definitely one of the funny ones. It was in the bathtub, literally. Yeah. The RZA liked the yeah, bathtub. Yeah, it, it was a good look. It looked great on camera and it translated well, you know, into lowdown. And, and he was really, I have to say, he was nice. He was funny. He was professional. It was great. The joy. Uh, to work with the RZA and so was Method Man as well I mean yeah. I've met him a couple of times and uh, yeah. 
again interesting man and a, a visionary as well and uh, yeah. uh, it's yeah. always fascinating to to you know see people from a completely different cultural background like that and yeah. uh, i mean we even i went you i think as well we went out there filmed them in Staten Island, I went to work with them once in Staten Island and amazing in, there as well. And it's yeah. uh, incredible, obviously. The whole what, what did Dave Chappelle say about Staten Island? Like, Staten Island's like shit apart from the Wu Tang Clan, yeah. And how what's Staten Island like? Shit, it's, <laughs> <of the> <laughs> <Clan. laughs> well, it's a bit like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, so uh, I guess we've talked quite a lot now, Eddie. No, there's no, so no, much no, more, there's so much more, but uh, and, you know what? I've got to be honest with you, we've still got more time to go, and I think the reason why we do have more time to go is because I really want to s- sort of talk about um, Yoko. Um, because I remember the thing about the drum and bass scene that really touched me was how many women were involved in it, and I've, I've, I've forgotten to appreciate that. Yeah, how we just took it for granted how Yoko was part of uh, Clayton, Mark the Trouble and Vinyl crew, the Renegade Hardware the dawn of you know, obviously Metalheads were such an inspiration to us that we continued on that ride through drum and bass all the way through probably till the you know, and then came off the journey and moved on but the point was that these women were there to support us they were there to uh, support the teams and they were there to make sure that there was peace among the teams like there was no real rivalry everyone would compete to the to this day now you know Andy C the Ram team you can kind of appreciate how it's it's supported people and I always really respected the fact that Lowdown had a skate team for a minute you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, like, yeah. and that how we felt like a team like and we'd go out there and roll out in the car all of us had bags of weed you know and that team culture and that team feeling is is really man it's, it's needed you know like it's it's to see you Gertz we don't see each other enough you know what I mean like we're actually seeing each other to do a podcast not actually to have a pint do you know what I mean like it's it's kind of odd that and obviously that's just the nature of work and hustles and grinds but um but yeah interesting what you said about the women in drum and bass because there's always what was i think it was sarah yes she metalheads, metalheads exactly yeah, yeah. every one of these yeah. crews had the the ladies yeah, in the yeah. background who, yeah. who were running things yeah, mainly. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah. that's quite you yeah. know often not looked at and i find that out, yeah very interesting and and and, yeah. that, and that was what the strength of drum and bass and jungle was that there were ladies in those hard techno sounds but there's women in there running a lot of things running a lot of things on the dance floor too of course so, so the rhythms aren't you know and chemistry and storm oh my god yes I of mean, course uh, they, they led the way yeah, yeah, yeah. as they, A&R and visionaries too in their own right you know yeah as a, as a team as a duo so it's always been a wonderful wonderful part of the experience really and that's um, what I liked about the UK hip hop scene as well that's why domestic science for me because Estelle I mean she was bad temper yeah. that uh, she was from Birmingham, Nottingham, from yeah, Nottingham. Right. She was incredible. Yeah. And uh, for me, I really enjoyed, you know, when we did a video with them as yeah. well. It was like I did the skits domestic science video with them and it, it was an interesting experience where they all were up for doing different things, yeah. you know. They were not the cliched videos. Yeah. Uh, we filmed her at the place I lived just around the corner, 22nd floor of Peregrine House. Yeah. It was for, for one year I lived in that, you know, I think yeah, you were there. Yeah, of course. We were in the 22nd from the, floor. From the window, it was the full moon at night. Incredible yeah. place, really. Yeah, and yeah. we did uh, one part of the domestic science video up on the gangway with Winston Witter someone yeah. to mention of as well course, an old, course, uh, uh, you know friend of ours of uh, who was shooting that video or helping on the shoot with the video uh, that is uh, you know also the, the women in hip hop were always there in England yeah, which yeah. I thought is you know interesting and yeah. there's now look 
Little Sims. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's a long legacy, really, yeah. of good female hip-hop artists in this country. Right? Yeah, no, that, 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 100, 100 on that. And I have to sort of admit that years later, when I did come to listen to UK hip-hop, certainly through your sort of inspiration, ironically, but it's sort of the penmanship, you know, the, the, the lyricism, you know, the actual writing, core values at their core, like... It's it's it's. I think the strength was in the written word. It was it was always it was always for me. I realised it was the accent that was the barrier, but the actual technicality was flawless. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, so many of them in such different styles. But yeah, a lot of real wordsmiths and yeah. like you know, I mean, Roots Maneuver. Look at his lyrics. Oh my God. And, yeah. You know, he's again someone we we met yeah. a couple of times and um, uh, yeah. I've known for a while really. Yeah. And I thought again, very very visionary artist, the real yeah. maker. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. you know, left yeah. his imprint on the UK yeah, hip hop. Yeah. Scene. Yeah, certainly one of the most human of the makers, and I think certainly the UK hip hop artists, you see the mental health uh, experience played out in in real life. You know, you do see Roots Maneuver walking around Brixton Market sometimes, sort of struggling. You yeah, know, he was troubled. For yeah, a while, he was troubled, and and really in UK hip hop, it's something that's talked about. You know, it's, it's it's a concept that's not. You know, certainly farmer, certainly not farmer, but certainly that. Yeah, those boys sometimes when they speak they, they're open and honest about that and I kind of feel like that's a that's a growing thing isn't it it's a growing appreciation certainly as many of us if we came off the skate parks that we grew up on and seen homies come and homies go and you know some of us accelerate some of us just you know drift off into the distance and take normal jobs and become civilians and some of us become fucking samurai gangsters which brings me back to tricky right that's what struck me about these guys they struck me like they were like samurai they were like samurai like old and they were just basically coming out of like they must come from a long line of warriors who just basically moved into crime they're businessmen whose business was crime Definitely, yeah. And I mean, yeah. they were matter-of-fact and cold-blooded about it. Yeah, yeah, I know they were. You know, Some of them were a bit scary, to be honest. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I think... I mean, they Courtney uh, pulled out Mad, a gun. Mad Frankie Fraser was oh, one of them. Yeah. Tony Lambiano. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. There's a couple of others whose name I can't yeah. remember. And then was obviously Dave Courtney, yeah. who was the most then already the yeah. most accessible, who was yeah. like, you know, yeah. quite made. Funny thing is, I mean, we fit with him again as well. And uh, he's always... I bumped into him on the street. Oh, he, yeah. I'm good with Dave Courtney, which yeah, isn't yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Because he's still... Is it, you know? Yeah, it's uh, like, wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of him, it, really. He's uh, still a legend. So let's talk about Arsenal, because how can we not talk about Gertz and not talk about your relationship <laughs> to Arsenal, Gertz? I need to the get Arsenal. this one in. The Arsenal. They're, they're doing a bit better so, again, so I'll tell you that. So you were there for the Wenger years. <laughs> I was there from the early days to our uh, friend uh, Phil Tucker. Yeah, for uh, our friend Phil Tucker. Again, um, connections. That was all yeah. about this life in Lowdown. You he know? was a big Lowdown fan as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. He's got a few of your pictures, I think, as yeah. well. And, um, yeah, that, yeah, Arsenal. Mate, I mean that's you know I I grew up so to speak in London yes. here, not it, it, far from here yeah. in the heart of Islington, exactly. and that's Arsenal homeland. Yeah. So for me there was no question yeah. who I'm going to support when yeah. I first moved here. And we're talking 1994, exactly. Uh, so I've supported Arsenal since '95 really, yeah. and uh, yeah, I used to go there a lot. And with Phil Tucker, it was incredible. But it was yeah. another. It's almost like uh, in a different way, like what I experienced at Metalhead. Yes, I also yes. experienced at Highbury. Yes, and uh, it yes. was special. It yeah. was English football. Yeah right there I mean yeah. I love my football anyway Werner yeah. Bremen yeah. is my team in Germany but uh, it was a different and very special experience and um, the Arsenal is you know they're doing better and uh, yeah. uh, you've got to be positive yes, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a question of time I remember the negativity that came to Wenger's way at the end and I felt people expected more 
yeah, of course. He should have been like he should have left three years. He should have left yeah. when he won the FA Cup against Chelsea. I was there with Phil Tucker yes. and his son. Th that was and, the um, highest. And that was the right point. And he didn't. They all kind of, you know, yeah, want to yeah. hang on, yeah. you know, get yeah. more success. But yeah. it went downhill a bit already anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he overstayed it a little bit. But he's yeah. a legend. And I That's love Arsene Wenger. And he's, yeah, a, yeah. he's the Wenger years now. Oh, man. Become... He's like, you can't take <laughs> yeah. that away from him. Yeah. He's like, literally, he changed not just the culture at Arsenal, but the culture in English football. Yes. Because he brought a whole different yeah. approach yes. to football, a yeah. more scientific approach yes. to the way they eat, uh, yeah. the, the preparation. And, and and he's a legend, but he's still, he's still overstayed and he yeah. should have fucking left three yeah. years earlier. And I think in, in times to come, like making the choices he made, especially with Thierry Henry, was made some great football moments. Ah, yeah, of course. I mean, ah, yeah. I'm not choices. just Bergkamp, yeah. uh, yeah. oh, yeah, That's what I was expecting. Uh, yeah, come on, come on. Robert come on. Pires. Do you know I what mean, I mean? It was like, like the Invincibles after that, yeah. you know, with Lehmann, the German in goal. I mean, it's just been an absolute, you know, incredible teams for years and they still have a really, really good team yeah. now. Yeah. And I think, you know, trust yeah. the process is all I'm saying. Thank you, Mikel thank Arteta, you. trust the process yes. and we'll be there and we're sixth now and we're coming up and uh, yes. it's going to be a good year for Arsenal. And, um, yeah, so that's also my sort of London legacy, yeah. which, uh, you yeah. know, with Phil Tucker, yeah. someone you know by the yeah, way. Exactly, uh, exactly. Good Shout out to Phil, yeah. Phil Tucker. To the Tucker fam. Yeah. Yeah. Good, um, good people. Exactly, exactly. So, exactly. And the momentum's been kept. And I think it's uh, it's an interesting way to forge a friendship and a working relationship in the sort of baptism of the metalheads. You know what I mean? Like, this is where it begins, you know. Yeah, and nice. I remember you mans came over with some German skunk, which us London mans weren't really on at the time. And minds were blown that evening you know I mean? and that's that's the core that's the nucleus of the relationship yeah. um, which leads me to talk to you about one last thing yes Brad, which is our good friend Mark in Devon Mao yes. Mao really interesting Mau, Mau. artist I've Mau, known Mau, for yes. over 25 years does yeah, his own yeah, thing yeah. used to work with Banksy quite a lot I think yeah. Banksy a little bit inspired by him yeah, at times as well course. and talk about you know the, the projects you did with him because you did some nice yeah. uh, kind of his your prints with his yeah. artwork on it yeah. some nice project with him really yeah, yeah I think Mau Mau was, a, was again another part of the connection, part of the team, you know, part of the Lowdown family, it's certainly on the, this island side of things. And, you know, the Devonshire cream, this, this the glory he brought from the coast and that mindset and his jar consciousness was a kind of a beautiful breath of fresh air that we kind of don't really expect, but England has tucked away in Cornwall. You know, as you've kind of experienced England, England is kind of, there's other Englands that oh, they just yeah. don't tell you about. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And he comes from that other England. And Very it was much like, so, yeah. And he brought that beauty with him. And so to then contextualise that by, you know, that fluidity between him adding his artwork to my photography or me adding my photography to his book or we teaming up to do the filming for his... It's, it's all about the art, really, and the beauty of that Beautiful. art. Beautiful. It worked for yeah. me personally. I was so happy yeah. when I linked you yeah, two boys exactly. and, and, and what came out of it. Exactly. I was quite proud, yeah, really, yeah, because yeah, I could yeah, see yeah. how yeah. you two fit yeah, together. Shared, yeah, and it was beautiful. Vision. I mean, what, what, what beautiful you know, yeah. pictures you created it's there. Exactly. And unique, you know, one-off pieces. We created three pieces for a show in, what, 2002, the Brixton Graphics Show. Again, something that the Lowdown family were a part of. But 
we created these three pieces and one of them was stolen. The Method Man's piece was stolen. A bunch of youths rocked up into the gallery, took it off the wall and walked out, which never is, to be seen again. Which is such a shame, which really. Which is such a shame, but, I mean, you know, what the greatest honour of having your work stolen by <laughs> my man's on road. You know what I mean? The road man's must have this. Yeah, yeah. It's, I what, can it's see a one-of-one. One, I like, can see that. I just yeah. didn't want to kick his ass with it. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just bring it back when you finish with it, you know? Uh, yeah, so that was a part, part, part and parcel of the bigger picture and part and parcel of the bigger legacy. Cause, and that's the thing I've got to shout out to Morocco and the rest of the team for is the way you man's handled shows back in the day, the way you man did the yeah. art thing oh. and how that has to come back again because we need to sort of return with that. And um, yeah, no, always. I mean, the, the, like his, he's, I mean, it's incredible what they've really built, and that it's mm. still there as well. I mean, mm. I'm so proud of Maroc and the whole Lord on crew. They were still there yeah. running it still, and uh, it's always been great, you know, to do projects with him. And we've been on that Lord on journey for 25 years. Yeah. Talked about some of it uh, for a while now, yeah. and I guess uh, Eddie, uh, we will do some more Lord on projects at uh, any time, really. Yeah, exactly. I think there's all, they're always on the card. So I think really, I want to put it out there now. I think Maroc's shouting me from time to time going next time I do a book I've got to shout him and I'm like yeah bro next time I do a book I've got to work with you but we've never sort of found that sort of uh, that that sort of meeting point as the right sort of publisher or anything but that's the vision really and I think that said it will happen yeah.